back to our Back to the Movies podcast series where we are running down the final ten movies of my epic voyage through the films of 1983. And uh, today, we are I'm joined once again by my lovely wife, Francesca. Hello. Co-host of the Cinematrimony podcast series. Plug alert. Here on Film Nerds. And, uh, you know... Uh, I think Francesca brought a lot of game to the Mr. Mom podcast last week. And, um, Thank you. This, well, I say that because this week <laughs> I think you might have less to contribute. Number one, because the film we saw, you have not seen. It's a sequel to a film that you have not seen. Correct. Number two is you didn't finish this film. Let me tell you something about this film, Matt. There are a lot of things that it is not good Watchable, bearable, well, I agree, endurable. I agree with you that it's not good. I would disagree that it's not watchable, though. It wasn't watchable. First of all, I started reading the book, man. <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about staying alive, which is the uh, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, which was uh, one of one of the biggest sort of cultural icons of the 1970s. What happened, basically, and I'll give you a little backstory. Uh, You'll you'll read more about this in the review, but essentially, um, you know, it was a massively successful movie, made almost a hundred million dollars. Which for I mean, this was essentially uh, kind of an independent film. Basically, it was it was not a big studio project, so it was a hugely successful movie. Was it, it was it the was first of Sly Stallone's pictures. Well, no, Sylvester Stallone didn't have anything to do with. Um, with Saturday Night Fever. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was just a you know, it was just, like I said, it was kind of an independent project, and it was sort of based on this um, this New York Times article that was looking into the world of the disco clubs, and actually, as it turned out, that article sort of famously was made up, and uh, uh, and yeah, it was com- it was complete fabrication, and so, but what it actually did was sort of define disco culture, and of course, people out in the real world started to emulate that, and it sort of life imitated art and that became what the culture was actually like in a certain way so that's kind of the backstory of this staying alive came out a few years later uh travolta was kind of having a little bit of a um uh i guess another surge in his career he certainly saturday night fever made him a big star and uh he was sort of simultaneously doing that with welcome back cotter and by by 1983 john travolta is a pretty big box office uh Draw, and he actually had another movie uh, that I've already reviewed in Back to the Movies called uh, called uh, Two of a Kind. Yeah, it was very memorable, obviously. Which was a it was a movie with uh, Olivia Newton John. It was a terrible movie. Um, so at the same time, he's got he's got this movie, which obviously did quite well. Didn't do as well as Saturday Night Fever, but it it made a lot of money, and um, and so basically. You know, this was this was going to be a big commercial opportunity for Paramount. Was the reason this movie exists? They said, you know, the the pre, you know, Saturday Night Fever soundtrack was the best selling soundtrack Matt, of all time. I fear that you are spoiling your review. Well, no, no I'm not going to. Look, there'll be more to it, but uh, you know, this, this movie, like like its predecessor, this is basically trying to follow the formula and say if we just sort of hit the buttons, we'll make money. Um, didn't really work out that way. I mean, they made money, but it's not a good movie. Uh, and obviously you feel that way, Francesca. 
Yes. There are three characters, and I care about none of them. What, why do you not? Because the funny thing is, people really loved Tony Monero, the, char- the John Travolta character in the first movie. How does he come off to you as somebody who didn't see the first movie? He's like nothing. He's just a big blank. There's nothing to love about him. He's just whiny, and then he gets attached to this British woman with horrible, horrible waist-length, lanky, disgusting hair <laughs> in, like, 17th century styles who can't really dance, but she can whip her hair around. And he likes her even though she's a bia. Mm. And then he has a feathered-haired girlfriend on the side who he's giving the shaft to. That's right. And then she's singing in the bars about how she's getting the shaft. That's unfortunate. What did you What did you think about, at least, now, you talked about the feather-haired girl. Let's say that's, that's Cynthia Rhodes, who was actually, that's not a name that registers with anybody today. But she was actually kind of a little bit of a thing in 1983. Okay. She's also in Flashdance. Well, as she was a thing, if for no other reason, as we discussed, ours and everyone's mom had her haircut That's in 1983. Right. <laughs> she has the standard mom haircut from 83. Although yeah. our moms weren't really like moms yet in 1983. Mine was. They were very young moms yeah, at that point. Mom, I was born in 82. and I forgot that you're Chris so much was, older than me. Oh, Stupid. Um, <laughs> but no, Chris was born in 80. Or uh, 77, I think, so. Your brother, Chris. Yes, my oldest brother. For, for and then people in this audience who us. aren't related to you, maybe. I don't know. Well, no, pe- nobody related to me listens to this, but uh, Ben maybe doesn't know my family's breakdown. Right. So my oldest brother, I have an older brother and an older sister, and he was born in 77. So mm-hmm. mom was firmly entrenched in momness by that point. Yeah. And feathered hairness. But, you know, I actually and thought... And cinched jeansness. I actually think Cynthia Rhodes was... She unfortunately, like everybody in this movie, she has to say the dumbest things. So it's hard to really like her character. But she, I, I thought, as an actress, well, what happens? I come around Does he on end her. Up yeah, because you only watched about halfway through. Yeah, right. Because so, it was horrible. Look, ob- it's pretty obvious. You could probably guess what happens. There's, there's the girl who sort of tolerates him. That's Cynthia Rhodes, and she's all nice to him and sweet. And he sort of double crosses her two times. Or that, that's the term I'm looking for. And uh, he runs off with the uh, Finola Hughes, who's the dark-haired girl you were talking about, the British girl. She was terrible. And uh, so, I mean, why don't you take a guess at how it all works out? He marries the British girl, (laughs) and the feathered-haired girl has great success as a Broadway chorus dancer. No, you're incorrect. Oh, no! Uh, He dies tragically in a taxi accident, and the two girls become best friends. (laughs) And adopt a child from Africa and raise her together. <laughs> you guessed it. Yay. No, right. So, anyways, yeah, he ends up with the nice girl. And uh, well, but here's the thing: that could have happened in like 45 minutes. But instead, the stupid Bia British girl kept on being like, "I'm obnoxious. I love you. Get out of my house." I have and to say, and he kept on going back to her. Of you, course. you might feel gratified to know that Fenella did Hughes, she get killed? No, Fenella Hughes does not die, but she she did that did she year. Get a haircut in 1983. She won. She was nominated for not one but two oh, no. Razzies. Oh, okay, that's better. I thought you were going to say as, Oscars. As and I almost both died. worst supporting actress and worst new actress. Good. She was both of those things, and uh, she never really didn't. She never really did much after that. She became she's terrible. She became actually she became a fairly prominent soap opera actress. Uh, I do recognize her face. Yeah, that's what you know her from. Is you've seen her on 
daytime TV, basically. She's probably done some, you know, she probably shows up on E! every once in a while doing something. But she's, that's basically, yeah, she definitely didn't have a successful career as a movie actress. Well, after she this. was terrible. Yeah, I hope she doesn't. I hope she's, she's not a listener. She's beautiful, but she's no, but not. She's a not good either. Actress. That hair was really offensive. I mean, she has a she has a pretty face. You can in see why way. someone gave her a shot in a movie. Well, I think it was the accent. <laughs> you think it was all the accent? Yeah. Also, showing up throughout this movie uh, is Frank Stallone, well, Sylvester Stallone's brother, and a uh, sort of. You know, I don't know how successful he <laughs> Did was. Did you find a video of that? I don't. Oh, because it was there's incredible. lots of Frank when Stallone videos. When he like almost murders there. him with his crotch pelt, like <laughs> thrusts. There's, there's a, basically Frank Stallone's character. First of all, Frank Stallone is. They they were anticipating that what the BGs were to Saturday Night Fever, Frank Stallone would be to Staying Alive. Which that is tragic that they put right at the beginning of the of the chorus line opening. The movie, like featuring songs by the Bee Gees, and the only Bee Gees songs there's that were like on two there, or three, and they're and not they popular Bee Gees songs. Yeah, because they weren't. Uh, they weren't, you know. Yeah. The uh, what's that called? Falsetto. Falsetto. It was. I don't want Bee Gees singing in a normal range. Yeah, it was like, I need them to sing up nice and high. For well, me. they sort of they sort of picked like token. I think really the Bee Gees were involved because they were like, look, we got to sell another soundtrack, and we want to make it sound like you guys are involved. But in they this didn't movie. because they sang like men. Yeah, that's true. I that respect that one bit. Well, Frank Stallone uh, has a few. I mean, basically, all of his songs are stereotypical '80s ear stabbers. I would call them ear stabbers. <laughs> there's there's a couple of awesome ballads, actually. Is it that uh, that actually? I want to I want to see if I can play one of them while we're here, so you can listen to it. Because I this oh yeah Th- this, this was- clip this clip is going to be featured uh, in the blog. But basically, there's a scene where, um, and I should say, uh, Cynthia Cynthia Rhodes also sang on the soundtrack, like an angel from heaven, on two songs, and uh, so a couple of them she sort of performs live I guess like because the, the whole movie the reason it's so long is because it's basically just one musical sequence after another and they always play the full song like they they're they're not um it's not just like slip it in in the background yeah, like no. they play the entire at song at one point you and I were singing along with the songs and there was like a, a falling in love montage yeah I were singing about it like we're in Central Park, and I stole your purse from you. You're so crazy, boy. Yeah, they were like narrating the movie. Here, all right. Th- this is this is the um, this is actually I saw this this in the trailer. This clip from this, it's an incredible, like super slow mo. It's basically so Stallone must have said, "Look, we're gonna shoot this like it's one of the boxing matches." But I also want you to move slow. Yeah, they're also probably moving slow in real life. But it's super slow mo, and they're this is about to be the worst. This incredible of podcast. This is of incredible watching a video. ballad from. What are we doing here? All right, so this is like them sort of building up to it. Oh, we didn't. We neglected to mention one of the key components of this film, which is, is what? women in berets and leotards All right, at so the same this, time. This is the song. Oh <laughs> this my! Is the, this is the sequence. This is this is uh, this will be featured. You guys can watch along if you want. But basically. 
goodness. <laughs> Some really impressive dance It's like they're moves. ice skating. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, also, Travolta, Travolta is really, like, really attempting to show off. Here it is. Here's the big chorus. You remember I got so excited because I thought you were saying it was a Sergio Mendes song? It sounds like that. But it's not. Don't ever tease me like this, that again. These aren't dance moves. That was awesome. She just put her knee in her armpit. Basically, that's my favorite. It only move looks like time. dancing in super slow motion. I think if this were real time, it would just look utterly ridiculous. Like people having a fit. What is he doing? <laughs> oh no! This is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So I'm glad I stopped watching before this. Yeah. This, <laughs> it's just people posing, it's, basically. This looks like something Stella would have done. Like this is how the Stella comedy group so yes. <laughs> There's no one where, where her butt is actually above her head. Oh boy, there we go. That's the ticket. Oh, mashup. Yeah, well. We got girl talk in the house here. Shut up. I hate that crap. Uh anyways. It's so, just the same song, that's why I sang it. Yeah, I mean, look, this this uh and that's the kind of, like, that was probably not even half the song, by the way. And it just goes on and on. And there, and that's, you know, I, I really wonder if you took all the songs out, this would probably be a 35-minute movie. I know, because and nothing none of the, happened And none the of the 35 also. minutes, yeah, none of the 35 minutes that aren't music are remotely <laughs> interesting. And uh, Well, and the music is also quite boring. Yeah. Well, it's I can't believe you watched the whole thing, frankly. We could have just faked Look, it. Francesca, I've struggled through worse movies than this already in this series. That is why you'll never catch me doing something like this. Like a project like this, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad that you've put in your time with me on a, on a couple of these in the top ten. Am I going to get to do any actual good movies? I mean, Mr. Mom's good. But, I mean, after this one, I need a palate cleanser. I don't know. We'll have to see what's left on the list and what's still free. I mean, uh, frankly... I've had a lot of people sort of knocking my doors down trying to get oh, wow. trying to get on some of these podcasts and uh, are any of them giving you your first son? <laughs> the answer better be no, sir. Especially since they're all males. Right. <laughs> well, so let me let me ask you this, Francesca. All right. What do you what do you think as far as you know, unfortunately this is your first exposure to Sylvester Stallone as a director. So, has this hurt your willingness to watch Rocky one day? Absolutely. No, not really, though. Pretty much, yes. I can tell you that not he's based not, on him. Just I don't like. I don't like it. I don't think it's a poorly directed movie. I think it's poorly. Uh, I think it looks good no. at a lot of points. Uh, did you just see the woman put a knee in her armpit <laughs> right. in slow mo? Because I did. I think that a, a, perhaps a, a director would make the choice to. Cut that out of the film. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, there's a uh, there's a, a character in the movie that's the um, kind of the, like the, the director of the the brilliant Broadway show that we see, which oh, right. apparently yep. this Broadway show is only dancing. There's nothing else in it. Eagle Eye Francesca caught that. And oh, it, well, no, that wasn't the director. That was at the very beginning. No, the very was, beginning uh, is read from that '70s show. Yeah. Yeah. But but later in the movie, there's. I mean, there's an actual character. He has a lot of lines. He's like the director of the Broadway show. and uh, That was a real dumb thing he said. He's a real character. He's a lot of lines. I didn't mean like he's a real character, that guy. I know, but it was just a dumb thing to say. Anyways. <laughs> he, no, he's a character. He has lines. Thank you for mocking me. Anyways, that character was actually written for 
Sylvester Stallone. Oh, right. Well, should, he, we should probably mention the subtle out. and fantastic cameo. That Stallone uh, does give himself, as you, which you yes. pointed out, not quite Hitchcockian. Not exactly. Sort of, He's wearing, I would, I would say, it's something like a floor-length fur coat. He's dressed like a pimp. If you ever saw the episode, Tony yeah. bumps him, yeah. and they share, share a lingering glance as they walk past one another. But I bet Stallone... And Tony's kind of makes the face like, this guy. I bet Stallone... Because we, the audience, are also making that face. I bet Stallone looks at the camera for a good three seconds in oh, yeah. shot. Like, looks right at he the really camera. He really lets me drink in his beauty. <laughs> and I appreciate that. And, yeah, and Travolta makes this look after he looks at him. He 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 kind of turns around He's and goes like, like, "Was that just Sylvester Stallone?" No, I think he goes like, "What a character!" Right, like well, this I guy I'm working with, <laughs> right? Fur coats in New uh, York City. You weren't around also for the scene where he goes and visits his mom, which is the only character that was in the first movie. My life is filled with regrets, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> but that was like there's like this weak attempt to sort of make. Uh, to sort of have the scene where it's like, oh, it's touching on the same sort of emotional depth that the first movie had. There was no emotional depth at all to this movie. To the first movie is what I'm saying. They're, they're trying no. to make that connection. And this scene, like, really, they I think they're, they're sort of relying too heavily on just making you go, well, Tony would speak like an idiot because he's an, he's an uneducated Brooklyn kid. But instead, what it sounds like is, it's just him saying exactly what he's thinking all the time. There's no depth to it. He's like, Ma, I used to have problems with my emotions, and now I don't. And I, I danced them out. <laughs> and I feathered them out of my hair. Right. And I wore a headband and leapt like a pretty, pretty princess. Ma, you gotta come see me. I'm wearing a loincloth now, Ma. You missed the loincloth at the end, too. Oh, man. You missed you missed three quarters of Travolta butt cheek. Aww. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I didn't realize he was like a song and dance man. Like I always assumed oh, yeah. that you know that Grease and uh, Saturday Night Fever were kind of uh, aberrations. No, in his, John Travolta was in a his resume, uh, but was, it turns out that's like his thing. He was trained as a true triple threat. He was a actor, singer, dancer. Well, I still like him best. As, which is uh, why, which is why the, of course, it's why the Pulp Fiction role, it's why the Pulp Fiction dance scene was so winky because you're getting Travolta, who's so well known. Let's call him for dancing. Tra- I'm not going to call him Travolta, actually. I think I will. But anyways, that that that's just a little, it's just a little knowledge I'm dropping on you. Travolta, well known for the dancing thing. Also, if you want to, if maybe if I want to speak your language, we can say hairspray. That's what I said. Uh, Edna Turnblatt. Yes. He listen. That was fantastic. He was in a fat suit and he was still dancing, like angels were carrying his feet for him. Yeah. Fantastic. Look, I like John Travolta, and I really like him in Two of a Kind. That it was the other '83 movie. I think he was good in that, and he was likable. But unfortunately, he picked two really, really bad screenplays to work on in '83. Well, it probably was like I think there's some little twerp being born this year who's going to come back and watch these. Here's a little present from old Travolts. You're saying, yeah, right. This was his legacy, Matt. yeah. He knows some stuff. Well, he, you know, he actually kind of went in the tank after after 1983, and his career was off the rails for quite a while. Basically, until Pulp Fiction, he was he was kind of nowhere. I'm going to refer you back to that dance sequence you just showed me. <laughs> That's the reason, perhaps. All right. Well, I think we've probably wrung out as much as we can out of this movie. There's just not a ton 
interesting to say about it, unfortunately. But I'm glad that you offered your opinion on how terrible it was. And I'm with you. I think it's a bad movie. I think it probably made a lot of money just sheerly for its sequelness, you know, from association with the first movie. I certainly don't think it word of mouth was helping it. Ebert trashed it pretty good in 83. Mm. One star review. And I noticed on uh, IMDb that it is 4 out of 10. That ain't 50%, son. Yeah, and on IMDb, listen, it's hard to get a bad rating on IMDb. There's always somebody out there that likes your movie. Not me, Travolts. (laughs) Not me. Thank you for joining us, Francesca. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add before we go? No. No? All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, for listening and join us for next week's episode. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a better movie. Uh, I was going to say better podcast, and I was going to kill you. No, dead. no guarantees, but I think it will probably be a better movie than Staying Alive. So. What movie is it? Yeah, okay, so Sudden Impact is the next one. Better known to, to most people as uh, Dirty Harry. Uh. So... Uh, yeah, but but uh, it'll be interesting. I think I believe uh, Ben Flanagan will be joining me for that podcast. I thought if our one listener was gone, listen, don't, who's doing flash? Don't knock again? our don't knock our listeners. Uh, oh no, we did get an email. Thank you. Per- uh oh, who was the email from? The person who said what well, they were talking about cinematic. We've gotten, I'm getting all confused. We've gotten a couple of emails, but uh, thank yeah, you, email. thank you. If you're out there listening, please feel free to uh, email us at matt at filmnerds.com if you have any feedback for us. If you want to let us know that you're yes, listening, because that you Francesca enjoy it. doesn't have her own email address. We uh, we uh, appreciate your your feedback, and we we uh, hope you enjoy our podcast. So thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye.